me in your copy of God's Word to John 14. John 14. We're going to read a whopping three verses this morning. This verse holds special significance for me. For one reason, is anytime I do a funeral, this verse, chapter 14, verse 1, is my call to worship. So I've said this verse a lot in front of a lot of grieving people. And I think it's, a, it, it's an applicable verse. For one, it's honest. Our hearts are troubled. Two, it's honest with its prescription. Believe in God and in Jesus Christ. And for three, the issue of home. If you bury a spouse of 69 years and you go back to your house, is it home? If you bury your father that you've known your entire life and you go back to his house, is it still home? The answer typically is no. Everything has changed. Everything. This passage, and this is our sermon in a sentence, it reminds us of something very important. We have a home. We have a home. Let's pray and we'll jump in. Heavenly Father, faith is the assurance of things not seen. This passage is very much the epitome of that definition. So I pray that your spirit would come down to us in earnest. That he may give to us the precious gift of faith. That he may strengthen and uphold it. That these words may be to us life and hope and peace. That we may have all the joy that comes with believing. So we ask your help in the reading and the preaching and the hearing and the trusting and the obeying of this word. And we ask it in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Verse 1, hear the word of the Lord. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. <clears throat> Thus ends the reading of God's word this morning. Let me begin with just a very simple question. It's a question that I have pondered all week. It's a question I find very hard to answer. It's a question that makes me very sad. What is home? 
What is home? Many people have never asked this question. It's amazing that at the Raymond Church, how many people live in the house that we're born in? That's amazing. Some of us are so familiar with one place, we have never asked the question. Others, particularly the younger generation, has the opposite problem. My generation, uh, you go to a college away from home, you meet someone else who's from a different place, and you get married and you move to a third place. College and career have caused us to move so many times that the thought We haven't been in a place long enough to answer the question. So one can't answer the question because they're too familiar. The other can't answer the question because it's too strange. And yet, we all know the longing for home, don't we? We all know the language of our passage. Our hearts are troubled is we can understand the disciples' trouble, can't we? One of them will betray Jesus. One of them will deny Jesus. The man they've spent the last three and a half years of their lives with, and when we think of the disciples, these are people in their late teens, maybe early 20s. Jesus is all they've known. He has been home to them. And one of them will deny, one betray, and the rest will lose him. They will lose their home. And he has told them that they will be strangers and aliens in a hostile world, that they'll be persecuted by parents and by governments, that they have no joy ahead of them. Every sense of stability vanishes in a moment. Their hearts are troubled. Their idea of home is troubled. They're troubled. But is that trouble unique to them? J.C. Ryle says this, Heart trouble is the most common thing in the world. No rank, no class, no condition is exempt from it. No bars, no bolts, no locks can keep it out. Partly from inward causes, partly from outward. Partly from the body, partly from the mind. Partly from what we love, partly from what we fear. The journey of life is full of trouble. Even the best Christians have many bitter cups to drink between grace and glory. Even the holiest of saints find a valley of tears. Raul is right. Raul is right. And if I can break a preacher rule this morning and be a little more honest than appropriate, this passage has been very hard for me. Because it brings to mind times when my heart was troubled. 
You know, I can remember being picked up from work on a hot August day on the way home telling me that I would have no more home. My heart was troubled. I can remember the next day sitting on a rainy front porch with nowhere to go. My heart was troubled. I can remember crying myself to sleep in the loft of two people's homes who loved and prayed for me, but I was very much a stranger in that house. It was not home. My heart was troubled. I can remember a night in a car, a night in a farm, a night after night after night. No home. My heart was troubled. And yes, I've come a long way. I can say this, Jessica's not here. I have a beautiful wife, wonderful child, wonderful home. Everything's great. But you know, I've been to enough funerals in the last two weeks to tell you that those things are not home. They're here today, gone tomorrow. I've done enough history of this church and of other churches to know that the amount of pastors that stay in one place 60 years is very slim. That as wonderful as this situation is that God has placed me in, it's not home. It's here today, gone tomorrow. And we all know this, don't we? We all know this. How many of us know someone that sleeps in a king-sized bed that ice, that's ice cold at night because the spouse who used to keep it warm is no more. How many of us know the feeling of having a dining room table full after church on Sunday and now there's two, maybe one plate at the table? Who knows the feeling of eating leftovers for days because you can no longer cook for one. These are all signs and symptoms. Each of us have had homes full of the pitter-patter of little feet and now they're deathly silent. It's a heart-wrenching silence. Is that what we call home? Is that home to us? We live in our memories and the highlight reels of our lives because we have no abiding place here. And yet if we live long enough, even our memories will fade from us. This loss, this loneliness, this abiding sense of dread, it is not our home. Our hearts are troubled. What hope What comfort, what home is there for us? Jesus tells us. Jesus has prepared a place. Jesus has prepared a home for us. We have a home. What does Jesus tell us about this home? He tells us two things. First, he tells us we have a home With the Father. He says, In my Father's house are many rooms. Let me just say something that we all know. God doesn't live in a house. 
God doesn't live in a house. What Jesus is doing is he's trying to accommodate the grandeur of heaven for our little bitty finite minds. He's trying to speak to us of God's love in language we can understand. He colors the affections of the Father in a familiar tone. He gives our sense of longing, shape and substance, form and content. What is he saying with the image of home? The first thing he tells us is our Father's house abides. It abides. The prodigal son, he runs away. He spends all of his money. He's eating the pod of pigs. He's in the line at the soup kitchen. He's dumpster diving. And what does he think? My father's house is still there. The doors are still standing. The door is still open. My father's house abides. The psalmist says the same thing. He says, though the earth give way, though the mountains be hurled into the sea, Though all the things in life that seem most stable flee from me, I know the house of my Father abides. It will not be shaken. Our Father's house abides. Our Father's house is affectionate. Too many homes are marked with anger and hostility. I read a startling statistic on Tuesday. Women are more likely to be assaulted at home than walking a city street at night. That should not be so, and yet it is. Even when it's not the case, how many times do we visit our in-laws and we walk on eggshells and landmines? It is not the case in our Father's house. Here is the words in which Scripture uses to describe our Father's house. Delight, joy, peace, righteousness, grace, mercy, and my favorite, rest. When you go to visit someone and you're walking on eggshells, when there's tension in the room, is that restful? Not at all. But there are rest. There is rest in our Father's house. It flows from His character. Just think of us. Think of the love He has shown us in this world. Think about how He provides for us, how He guides us with His fatherly hand. If He treats us with such love in the world, how much more so in His own house? Our Father's house is affectionate. Our Father's house is abundant. I love that it says it has many rooms. It has many rooms. We may be tempted to ask, is there room for us? I can remember doing some premarital counseling 
and for a couple in Vicksburg, and they didn't want to go anywhere. They just wanted to get a hotel in Vicksburg and just get away from everything. Lo and behold, there was a hurricane that weekend. Do you think there was any rooms available in Vicksburg? There was not. All the folks from the coast in New Orleans have driven up to Vicksburg, and all the hotels were full. There was no room for them. It is not so in our Father's house. We don't have to ask the question, will there be room? Will he let me in? My friend, the love of our God is infinite. There is room in his heart for you. Not one of his children will be left out in the rain. Not one of his children will be left out in the cold. Not a one. There will always be room in our Father's house. Now Jesus says one other thing. He says, yes, you have a home with the Father, but Jesus also says, you have a room, you have a house with the Son. I love this beautiful verse. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. You know, this is a tangent. John 17, Jesus' last prayer request is that we may be with him where he is. You know, there's lots of things I want and I don't pray for. But the things I really want, those things I pray for. Jesus prays that we would be with him. We have a home with the Son. This home is prepared by the Son. Building a house today costs an arm and a leg. Building this house costs the Son. It costs the Son. Jesus brings us into God's presence by His death, by His resurrection, and by His return. It's not like the old days in Leviticus 16 where the high priest would walk behind the curtain by himself and he, was, he would offer prayers and scatter blood on behalf of the people. No. Hebrews tells us that by the blood of Jesus Christ, a living way has been opened for us that we are free to dwell in the presence of God that we are free to enjoy a heavenly home. Understand this morning how important this preparation is. We have left home. We have sought trouble. We sowed the wind. We reaped the whirlwind. We try to come home, but guilt and shame just make it impossible. We live with this memory I wish I wouldn't have said. I wish I wouldn't have done. And yet we can't take back our words. 
If we chopped off the hands that did the evil deed, we would still be left with a memory. It would be the shadow in the rooms of every conversation. It would be awkward, as awkward as waiting in a hospital's waiting room. It is those things we do not speak of. It lingers behind every conversation. We cannot prepare a home. But Jesus can and Jesus has. Jesus did not brush these things under the rug and say, let's not talk about it. Jesus did away with them. As far as the east is from the west. In a book by Marilyn Robinson named Lila, Lila is a drifter and a vagabond of sorts, a bum. She works at the red light district at one point in her life, and she wanders into this small town. She meets a preacher. She gets baptized, and then you won't believe it. They get married. But Lila deals with this fear. What if I wake up one day and he doesn't want me here? What if he wakes up one day and he changes his mind? What if he really knows me? And Lila lives with this fear of permanency. With this fear of having a home. She's never had a home. How will she know that she'll have one tomorrow? So one day, Lila gives full vent to her frustration. She says to him, You don't know what I've done. And the preacher looks at her and he says, You're right. I don't know what you've done. But I do know that you've been washed by the waters of regeneration, that you've come under the blood of Jesus Christ, that you have been washed and you are home. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, the death of Jesus Christ has prepared a home for you. A home that will abide We don't have to build a tower, an empire of our own dirt to climb to heaven. The blood of Jesus Christ washes us from even that blood, sweat, and tears. Jesus washes even what we think of as good away. He washes us and he brings us home. He has prepared the home. He will bring us to it. Jesus didn't leave us a house key. He is the house key. His greatest desire, his final prayer, is that we would be with him. I know us too much. And even when I don't know, I know what lies in your future. We will all deal with loss and loneliness. If we don't die first, our spouses will. And unfortunately, I've seen too many children buried before their parents in my time. We may live in loss and loneliness. We may live as a wanderer and a stranger. 
Some of us may live long enough that we are forgotten. But we have a home. And Jesus will bring us to it. So I want to end with... Let's turn the last corner of this with the question I like to ask. So what? So what? How does this help us now? How does this help us now when our hearts are troubled? Jesus gives us two things. First, he says, believe in the Father and the Son. He says, believe in God, believe also in me. Let me make a statement. Your faith does not save you. Jesus saves you. The weakest faith in Jesus Christ will get you to heaven. It will get you home. But the stronger the faith you have, the more you will be able to stand when your hearts are troubled. Or let's think of it like this. Anything will get you to Jackson. But I would much rather ride in a car than on a bicycle. Am I right? In the same way, a strong faith is the antidote, the remedy, the help for our troubled hearts. But notice what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say believe in God's existence. Believe in God's sovereignty. The devils believe that in hell and they have no comfort. Those things will bring no comfort to us. He says, believe in God, believe also in me. The only remedy for trouble is a growing and active faith in Jesus Christ. Only in the Son do we comprehend the Father's love. Only in the Son do we have a way home. Only in the Son do we have an abiding place. When our hearts are troubled, let us find refuge in the Father and the Son. When our hearts are troubled by change, let us find comfort in their abiding love. When our hearts are troubled by lack and loss, let us find comfort in their abundant love. When our hearts are troubled by the things we cannot do, let us find comfort in their love that provides for us. Trouble will not be removed by more of the same. Trouble is removed by faith in God and in Jesus Christ. Secondly, believe in Jesus' work and word. Jesus says this wonderful line, If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Jesus understands how sluggish we are to believe. Isn't it true? I have a whole Bible full of promises, and yet how slow we are to believe them. So Jesus reiterates this promise. And we know that Jesus has prepared a place. The cross is not standing. The tomb is not filled. He is gone. He is in heaven interceding for us. So we have that confidence that we see at the end of Romans 8. 
That who shall condemn? It is God who justified. It is Christ who died for us. It is Christ who is interceding for us. Not death, not life, not angels, not powers, not sword, not famine, not nakedness, not exile, not anything will separate us from home. We can trust the words and work of Jesus Christ. Let this longing for home drive us to that promise. Heaven and earth may pass away, but he will keep his promise. The world may fail us. Jesus will not fail us. So my friends, I just say to you, we have a home. We have a home. On the days and the nights when I was a young man and I felt as if I had no home, I had a home. In the days today when life is amazing and comfort abounds, we have a home. That home is not, a con- is not the same thing as we have here. I've heard so many sermons that say, Oh, you know, in heaven they're riding tractors and they're painting flowers and they're fishing. No, heaven isn't more of the same. Heaven is better. Heaven is to be with the Father and with the Son. That cannot be taken away from us. We have a long way to go. We have much trouble ahead of us. But we have a home. We have a home. Let us pray. Almighty God, you let us wander. You've let us be wearied that we may know and long and enjoy the feeling of coming home. Lord, we are ready. We are ready. I pray you would hasten the return of your son, that he would take us to be with him. That heart trouble that is too common to all of us would not be common anymore that the most common thing we would know would be the love of the Father in the Son for us. We are ready. Father, we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.